Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to another episode, series of, uh, what is it, an episode or is it a series? It's an episode within a series. <laughs> anyway, welcome to another episode of Perfect Time Multisport. Uh, today, I have the, I don't even, I'm trying to figure out, like, what can I go into calling you? Like, the, the, the phenomenal coach, let me just start there, of Track Tuesdays and founder, uh, Keisha. Keisha, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for coming again, uh, especially during this three-day weekend. While I'm sure everybody, you know, had plenty of other things to do. Again, I really appreciate you coming. Um, so with that, for the folks that don't know you, uh, just tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from the great city of Philadelphia for right. your brotherly love and sisterly affection. There you go. <laughs> um, so I've been in the D.C. area since 2009, mm -hmm. um, and I'll say, what, 2014-ish is when I got into distance running. Mm -hmm. um, during that time, I was transitioning <clears throat> careers. I was dealing with heartbreak. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, everybody has a story to tell, so making sure we find those folks so we can bring those folks to you um, to share that story. Uh, but like you said, being from Philly, um, and I know you, you, you got into the story about how you, about your running journey um, later on in life, but can we take a step back? Um, again, being from Philly, were you always a runner growing up, or was that something you came into as you got older? Um, so when I was little, I wanted to do running. Uh, my mom, for whatever reason, was not having it, but all of my cousins and everybody used to do like summer track clubs. Yeah. Um, but in high school was when I finally got my shot to join the track team. Um, okay. But again, I was not a distance runner. I could wow. not even run one lap around the track. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember there was this, uh, for fun, they could like to form these like four by fours so the yeah. team could like race each other. And I, I remember I was like crying and heaving, like I thought I was going to die trying to get around the track. It was worse. Um, <laughs> but then I ended up finding um, my place as a long and triple jumper. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where I had more of my experience when I was younger. Um, yeah. I did that for a little bit in college as well. Okay. All right. So for the folks that are familiar with uh, Philly, where did you go to high school then? Central, All 264. Right. Yeah, I'm here. Right. Cool. I'm from Philly, so I gotta make sure I uh, make sure we highlight that. Um, so, uh, and then you say you ran track in high. Well, you were on the track team in high school, and then you transitioned in college. What uh, college you go to? Um, I went to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Okay. HBCU. There you go. Always got to rep the HBCU. Yeah. Shout out to the HBCU. All right. <laughs> Don't know what that means, but I'm sure they you're know. Here. <laughs> you know. You know. So, did you as you uh, graduated high school? Did you continue running, or what was that transition like from high school to now being a quote unquote adult or young yeah. adult? So, um, in high, well, in college, um, I started trying to work on my endurance a little bit mm -hmm. um, because it, I found that even during high college. All my stories end up dealing with heartbreak of some sort. <laughs> but in college, I was dealing with like a really toxic relationship. Um, and I found myself at night going to the track to run. Um, and I didn't realize like this was correlated with mental health. It was just something that I knew made me feel good. Yeah. Um, but then I kind of stopped that um, after a while. Um, it wasn't something I was doing very consistently. Mm -hmm. But um, like I said, around 2014-ish is when I eventually was like, 
all right, I need some friends. I need, I know this makes me feel good. I need something that makes me feel good. And so a friend suggested that I um, get in contact with Black Girls Run um, because they are a community. Sorry. Okay. No, I'm good. So were you in D.C. at that time? Or? Yeah, at this, okay. well, at this time I was living in Maryland, but still D.C. area. Um, yeah, at that time I was living between D.C. and Baltimore. So what, what, when did you come to the DMV area? Uh, 2009. So 2009. After, okay. after I graduated from college, um, I did like my, I was a restaurant manager okay. um, after college. And so um, I did some training in Philly for a little bit and mm -hmm. then they helped me move to the area. All right. What well, uh, restaurant was it? Olive Garden. All right. Hey, there you go. I love the <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, oh, gosh, I, one of my best braces, we went to Olive Garden up in the Poconos before. Yeah. I got my shot. If it, anybody knows me, I love chicken and parm before a so, all right, cool, cool. So now <laughs> you, you're here in uh, the DMV area in 2009. Somebody introduce you, introduces you to Black Girls Run. Mm -hmm. um, I know they have different chapters or yeah, groups. So which one were you a part of? So I started with the National Mall. Okay. Um, so I, I did them on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Shout out to the uh, coordinators over there. They're still amazing. Um, to this day, I keep in contact with them. Um, and then I used to run with Lincoln Memorial um, on Fridays. And then I would just bounce around. So I was going to school in Baltimore during my transition um, mm -hmm. while doing an internship in D.C. Mm -hmm. So it was like whatever area I could find somebody to run with, depending mm -hmm. on that day and time, I would just go to whichever one was meeting mm -hmm. at that time. So all of their different locations had different times and right. meetups and stuff like that. So how long did you run, run with them? Or do you still run with that? Um, I don't get to run with them as much anymore. <laughs> um, but I was running with them for quite a while. Like I always pop in and out whenever I can make it to, okay. to their groups. All right, cool, cool. So uh, when did you become like this longer distance runner? Was it through them or what, like, what was that transition from going to, from in college, in high school, college, and now you're going out to the, these group runs and I know you do, you know, half marathons, marathons. Yeah. What was that transition like? Uh, and that was them, uh, yeah. Black Girls Run. They were like, send the Kool-Aid, you yeah. can do more. And I was like, no, I just want to do 5K, <laughs> that's all I need. Yeah. And they're like, no, look at you, you look so strong, like you can do this. And like the beautiful thing about those women is like they were breathing life into yeah. me at a time where like I did not feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And having that community of women, like I never thought that distance running was a place for me. I never saw myself, I didn't know any like black girl distance runners that like had the same frame or build or anything. And so it was like, I'm seeing these women of all shapes, shapes and sizes right. and like they believed that I could do it. And you know, they loved me enough to, I saw it in myself and I wanted to do it. Yeah. Love that. So I know you said uh, you were going through some stuff, and that's what they were like a really big resource. Yeah. Um, I guess, again, perfect time. We really want to talk about those personal, vulnerable stories. So I almost want to apologize, but I don't. But can you talk a little bit about those things you were going through in that time and how they were actually helpful? Yeah. As you know, sure. um, I, so during that time, like I said, I had. Like being a restaurant manager is really hard. Um, you're working when everyone's playing, and it it was hard trying to maintain like personal relationships. I was missing big events in my family and friends' lives, and then it was like as a manager, it was like you were catching hell from all different directions. Upper management said upset with you. Your guests are upset with you. Your team members are upset with you. Like it was just a mess. So it's like that point, I felt like man, I can never. I never felt like I was doing anything right. It was always somebody upset about something. And mm -hmm. then I, like I said, I had a relationship that I was in and, you know, my partner at the time was just kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And that was just like another crushing blow. And then as I was transitioning with school and work or transitioning careers, it was also this thing of like, all right, I'm struggling with my schoolwork and that doesn't seem to be going right. And it was just like that, the perfect storm of everything just crushing down on me at once. Right. Um, and, you know, many of us can attest to how running was there for us during yeah. really challenging times and how like, you know, you finish a run and you get that runner's high and you just feel good. Right. And I became addicted to that feeling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. And for the folks that are uh, tuning in live, uh, feel free to ask questions at any point. Um, we definitely have a system now where you can chime in. So if you're listening to this at a later time, you should have been here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I, so as you you just mentioned, you don't really run with BGR um, as much as you would like to. So can you talk about some other folks that are have been really helpful to you, especially in that, well, more so in the beginning stages of your running uh, journey? Yeah, um, so for a while, I was also running with District Running Collective. Mm -hmm. um, I met a lot of amazing people through there, um, did traveling. I guess that was my first introduction to what run crew culture is. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a pretty cool experience. Um, and while I was running with them during that time, um, I started wanting to become a better runner. Um, and that's kind of what transitioned into Track Tuesdays because I wanted to get faster. Right. And I knew one of the ways to do that was by doing track workouts. Right. And um, so I had some friends who are all like, all right, we'll go to the track with you on this day. And it became like a weekly thing that we just kind of started to do together. And when did you uh, start that? Um, so this year makes four years for wow. us. So 2016, yeah, wow. is when that kind of started. Yeah, and I didn't realize it's been four years, so I looked at it like some old <laughs> pictures, and I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. So for folks that uh, may not know about Track Tuesday um, yeah. and they want to come out, is this something that they have to pay for? Like, what's that? Uh, yeah, no, uh, Track Tuesdays is completely free at this mm -hmm. time. Um, it's kind of a thing. It's special to me to kind of try to make this a free resource for folks um mm -hmm. one of the barriers that can sometimes exist like running we think is like super cheap you just put on shoes and you right. go for a run but it's like well if you want to reach like if you want to do races or you want to reach a certain level money starts getting involved in that mm -hmm. um and so i i kind of at this point i want to make track tuesday that tuesday is that resource where you can be a part of this and you don't have to worry about money being a barrier right. to entry um or a barrier for you to excel um okay. so it's like a community resource um as i like to look at it okay yeah. so i know you ran track in high school so um you coaching and having this program now is this just like a fun thing or are you actually you know uh do you have any certifications as a run coach? Yeah, um, so I am a Roadrunner certified coach. Okay. Um, I'm also a USA track and field coach. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and I'm looking at some other stuff that I'm yeah. not going to say just yet till I do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, put it out there. No, put it in the universe. It's in the universe. <laughs> not the public universe. That's, that's real. That's real. All right. Yeah. Stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> You have uh, DRC, um, so and you mentioned being an ambassador for uh, Run for All Women. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what they do? Yeah, so Run for All Women was started following the 2016 election. Um, mm -hmm. It was kind of a response to what was going on in the country at that time. Um, mm -hmm. And at that time, there was a lot of attacks happening on Planned Parenthood. So um, Allison Desir, who is the founder of Run for All Women, as well as the founder of Problem Run in New York, decided mm -hmm. with herself and um, a group of other women that they were going to do a relay run from Harlem, New York, to the steps of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. um, and during that time, they raised over $100,000 for Planned Parenthood. Um, but at that time, I also had the same feeling of like, man, I, I got to do something. I feel like there's something I want to be a part of. And I had heard about like ultra relays and things like that, but I never really saw women, again, that looked like me. And the women that did this were black, um, black women. And that was a first for me. And so I knew they were going to be coming through my part of Maryland. And I was okay. like, all right, well, I want to hop in with them and be a part of that. And that was the first time I ever ran 17 miles, wow. um, running with them from where I lived in Laurel, Maryland at the time, down to DC. And it was a super transformative experience for me. Um, and that is when I decided, uh, well, after that, they decided they were going to do an ambassador program. And okay. that's when I decided to hop on with that. So what made it this super transformative experience for you? There were a number of things. I mean, it was one, the idea that learning the power of running, um, 
I had known that running was a powerful piece to like my mental health, but I never realized that running can also help mobilize people. Right. Running can help get your message across. Running can be a resource for, you know, raising money. How many times do people raise money to do races? Yeah. And so, um, that part of it made it really transformative. And then it was, like I said, seeing black women who were running this like amazing feat yeah. was like, okay, I want to be a part of this. Right. And then, you know, when I did hop one, at that time, the original women were actually on the van resting. There was another group of women from Baltimore who were mm-hmm. running. And I got to hop in with them. And it was so much love and like support and you know, as we continued through the night, just seeing other random people hop in, it was just like, wow, like running can do this? Like this, yeah. this is amazing. Um, that's when I was like, all right, I want to do something with this. I want to, I want to be able to use my running to also impact others. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, and that, oh, uh, again, thank you for Danny for, uh, pointing out that somebody has a question. Again, <laughs> as a reminder, if you have any questions, please just put it in the chat. Uh, and Danielle will let us know. Again, we want this conversation to be really engaging throughout. Um, so please let us know the question. Be Please wants to know what motivates you to continue to expand Track Tuesday and share your knowledge with us? Um, for me, so in high school, I came from um, a track program where, um, well, actually in our school district, they couldn't afford to pay for a full track coaching staff. Um, and so we had volunteer coaches who would come out every week throughout the season to help us grow. And that was like my first experience of having seeing folks who was like, they're literally not really getting anything from this except for the satisfaction of knowing they love this sport so much. And they're able to share that with us. And so it's, I guess, a bit of that. Like, for me, I I love this sport so much mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, well, I can help others, especially because when I was growing up, like I said, I didn't have any examples. I didn't really see any Black distance coach, women distance coach runners at all. And then on top of it, it was just like, I didn't really know what I was doing for the longest time. Sometimes I still wonder if I know what I'm doing. Um, but it's, it's been amazing to have other people who it's like, okay, if I can help you along this journey, then I want to be able to do that just because I love this sport so much. And and if I can help somebody else reach their personal goals or whatever it is that they're aiming for, I want to be able to offer that to folks. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, so think is staying on that, uh, in, in that same conversation. Um, I know when we did the pre-interview, you were saying that you felt uncomfortable being called a coach. Yeah. In this space <laughs> where you're, you are a coach. So can you talk a bit, little bit about that? Like what, what brings this discomfort as the coach of Track Tuesday? Yeah. So at first, um, I mean, when Track Tuesday started, it wasn't <clears throat> like, oh, I'm going to create this community so that people can learn to run more efficiently. It, right. it literally started at... I'm so obsessed with running right now. I'm like doing all this research. I'm learning all this stuff. And like my friends were always like, whenever we were talking about running, I'd always be like, oh, I just finished reading this thing or I was reading about that. And and so before I knew it, more and more people kept coming to me and being like, hey, you know, can you help me with this or understand that or whatever? And even throughout Track Tuesday, um, there was a moment where folks started calling me coach. And I was like, I mean, in my mind, I don't know if they could see it, but I was like, (laughs) is that what I am? Um, And I felt super uncomfortable about it. Up until very recently, did I kind of embrace the idea of like, no, you a coach. Like, we don't call you a coach, you a coach. Um, But like, and during that time too, it was like, there were some leaders that were, that I was around that I really looked up to in a lot of ways for the work that they do. And they were hearing about the things that I was doing and they were really incredulous about it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I could feel the energy and I kept hearing people telling me stuff. And I was also kind of, I internalized that. I was wondering like, okay, well, if I'm feeling uncomfortable about this and then these people are saying these things, these people I look up to, like, 
Should I be the one doing this? And I think that's a problem that a lot of black women have a lot of times where we question ourselves and question like, are we the right ones for this? What do they call it? Imposter syndrome. Um, and it literally probably maybe about a year, year and a half ago that I start kind of being like, okay, yeah, you're a coach. Like, and I think it was too, another thing that was really transformative for me was, um, when I was coaching with girls on the run and they were calling me coach and they were looking up to me and I was like, you know what? I have the opportunity to be that representation that I didn't have and I didn't see. Um, And so I started to just try to lean into that more. So in all your, in everything you've been saying to this point, uh, community has been really important. So can you talk a little bit about um, why that community is so important? How do they help you navigate through different spaces? And also why is uh, building a really diverse community important to you? Uh, and if you don't know what that means, uh, just look at Track Tuesday at underscore Track Tuesdays and you will see uh, this is a really diverse community. So can you t- talk a little bit about that community aspect and what you're trying to build and how it's been helpful for, for you? Yeah, I mean, when you, I'm going to get a little historical for a second, but when you look in, in throughout history of people of color, whether they're black or brown, community is a huge part of our legacy, right? Like, there are folks where that we're able to come to, we're able to use as counsel, we're able to use them as our learning resource. They share stories, they help feed life into us. And like I said, when I got my start, I got my start through community. And I've had a lot of moments in my life where I felt so alone. And it wasn't until being a part of different communities that I started to realize, like, no, sis, like, you're not alone. Like, you have people who love and care about you. And so when I was going into these different spaces um, in, in, like, the D.C. running community at first, there were a bunch of people that didn't look like me. And I felt like an outsider. Like, no one necessarily told me I couldn't be there. But, like, I would walk into the, into the meetup area and people would just stare. Yeah. Or I would see them. I've even been at coaching stuff um, where the coaches will all talk with each other. And I know I could tell just from overhearing the conversations, they didn't already know each other. And I would be sitting there and no one would attempt to say anything to me. Mm. And, you know, these are ways that I know a lot of conversations are happening about, like, how do you foster diverse communities? But these are ways where people feel like you feel uncomfortable like it's already one thing that I don't see anyone that looks like me but then when I'm sitting there it's like no one's even attempting to allow me or help me feel like I'm a part of this and so I and I and I felt that in other spaces too that weren't necessarily black or white related type of spaces where I just I felt like I was being treated like an outsider and I was being treated like I didn't deserve to be there and so when, you know, Track Tuesday, I decided to allow Track Tuesdays to be a community, I realized this is my opportunity to create what I want to see or what I wish I would have had in my journey. And yeah. so um, I, I try to allow the space for us to, you know, for people to feel like themselves, to feel like they belong somewhere. Um, and I just try to try my best to understand and respect that people have different experiences. I mean, mm-hmm. even amongst abilities as runners, there's different experiences. So trying to take all of those things into account because we all deserve a place where we feel like we're wanted, like we're valued, like people want us to be there. I love that. Um, so going back to that question, uh, when we think about diversity, right, it's definitely more than black and white. So can right. you talk about what diversity means to you and the communities that you build? I mean, diversity is, it, it means a lot. I mean, it's, it's so many, like you said, it's not always just black and white, right? right? Like I have Latinx folks who come out to track two days. I'm also thinking about how can I make sure that they feel like a part of this community. I have runners who are running six minute miles, but I have runners that are running 13 minute miles. Mm-hmm. How can I make sure that those 13 minute milers don't feel like they're holding up the group or feel mm-hmm. like they're not supposed to be there. Because there's also not a lot of running communities where sometimes everyone's running so fast and no one wants to be at the back or feel like they're like slowing up the process. And so 
it's always been very important that those folks feel very included. I've had a runner who used to come out, she was blind. Mm -hmm. And I was so used to, in my like descriptions, just showing people mm -hmm. what I wanted them to do. And every time she came out, I realized like, oh no, like you gotta get better at using your words because yeah. not everybody can see what you're doing. So how can you be much more descriptive? How right. can you make this so that she also feels included? Right. Um, so yeah, just really understanding like, and even within that, like we're black folks, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm a woman, you're a man. We have different experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure I'm being mindful of those experiences. Also being minded of the fact that like, even if I were a man as well, we still might have different experiences. So just understanding like, there's so many intersectionalities that exist amongst people. And how can I create an environment where no matter what, those different experiences are, their experiences are more than welcome to be a part of, of what we have. Right, I love that. And as you build these community, and like you said, you're almost on four years, so um, this is definitely an opportunity to celebrate. And yeah. not only yourself, right, but the people that are in your community. So what does like celebrating those successes look like to you as a coach and an athlete? I'm still learning <laughs> to celebrate all of that. I mean, I honestly, when I think about celebrating Track Tuesdays, it wouldn't be what it is if it weren't for the people who were coming out. Because for a long time, I tried to downplay what Track Tuesdays was and not really talk about it. And it was all off the strength of people sharing it with other folks and bringing other people out. It was, literally word of mouth that has been growing track Tuesdays and so if anything I'm celebrating right now it's really those people who have faith in me again when I didn't have faith in myself mm -hmm. they believed in me as a coach and believed in the program that I put together mm -hmm. I love that uh just going over my notes right oh sorry we do have a question in the chat which is a great opportunity for me to look over my notes <laughs> and ask questions so Keisha, B Please has another question for you. Yeah. How, uh, hold on, I definitely want to make sure I capture her word for word, but okay. she's practically asking about how COVID has affected your coaching um, and what has it meant to transition into coaching during a pandemic? That's a really good question because it is definitely, I mean, especially when it first started, like no one really knew how bad this was or how long it was going to last. Like, there's so many up in the air questions. So when it first started, I was wondering like, okay, do, do I have to stop Track Tuesdays altogether? Or, and I had so many dedicated runners that were like, oh, well, can you just send us the, the track workout virtually? And when I thought about it, I was like, well, we have done remote versions of Track Tuesdays before. So it was just all a matter of now I'm not telling people to run 100 meters. I'm saying, let's go run for 30 seconds or let's go. You know, like I've found ways. So it challenged me to figure out like, okay, how can I create, continue to create a program that will help folks grow, but also do it in a way where if they don't have access to a track or they don't have access to the stairs we normally use, where they can still get a very effective workout. Um, but it's also challenged me to understand that like COVID is real right now. And like people are had like we're, our worlds are flipped upside down. Right. You know, some of us are being challenged because we're losing people we love. We're losing races we've been training for weeks on end. We're losing our, our sense of normalcy. And so it's also challenging me to really be understanding of that. Like if folks can't do the workout, you know what? It, it's, it's a thing that, <laughs> that is a real thing to happen, but also opening up, um, opportunities for our group to talk. I mean, we've had a couple of check-ins we've done. We'll be having another one soon. Um, to just be able to be in community, community with each other virtually and be there for each other and have conversations that go beyond just the surface level to really see how people are doing. So, um, it's been a lot of challenges, a lot of growth. Um, now the next challenge is trying to decide when is the perfect time for us to come back, which is mm -hmm. another hard thing we have to figure out yeah. during this time. Yeah, no, that's and that's a really great point. And uh, I'm also 
right? As a triathlete, I'm trying to figure out how do I get back, you know, um, starting to go out on runs more recently, starting to do some bike rides uh, and what does swimming look like? Um, but also as an athlete, uh, I know that you don't only you not only coach and uh, run, but you're also a triathlete. So can you talk a little bit about that transition and how you came into the sport of triathlon? Yeah, so while I was running with a district running collective, there were a bunch of folks who started having conversations about triathlons. Yeah. And I mean, I heard it, the name maybe once or twice in my life, but I never, I definitely never knew anybody who did triathlons. <laughs> I barely knew any runners. So um, I got interested in like, okay, what is this thing they keep talking about? And that's when they brought up district triathlon. Um, and so I got added to their group chat, um, which if you listened to last week's episode, you heard about that evolution. Yes. Um, but I got joined to their group chat and I was just following for a little bit because I was like, all right, well, I'll just cheer on some races since I knew, you know, several people who were doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lurked for a good year, year and a half, maybe two before I finally was like, you know what, I think I'm ready to dip my toes into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got some help, uh, <laughs> got some help with getting a bike. Yeah. And, you know, um, thanks to amazing friends, teammates, um, they started helping me with my swimming because I did not know how to swim at all. I'm still learning how to tread water. <laughs> Shout out to the triathlons that are in pools. Um, so um but yeah so like that just and that was another experience of seeing these folks who were black and brown that were triathletes because i mean my one or two experiences with triathlons it was a white man sport yeah and so it was like again i'm seeing people who look like me who sound like me who like i'm like okay well they can do it so many of them weren't even swimmers and now they're out here killing it like doing like ironmans and stuff and so I'm like, all right, well, I think if, if they can do it, let me try to do it. And because I had that love of community, um, I was able to to do a few. All right. Yeah. So when did you do your first triathlon? I did my first triathlon in 2018. Which um, one? It was Hagerstown. All right. Which I think is like the original district triathlon. <laughs> Uh, race um, and that like first of all I have to give a shout out to teammates because like one of my teammates D-Don met me at the pool several times to help me out he gave me my first watch that was able to like track my swimming and biking because one of the things that is like a barrier to triathlons is the expenses right. and I didn't have the money to afford some of these things and so right. having someone who was just like hey you can have this watch I'm getting a new one was like a godsend I still literally wear it today um and so like that was helpful like having teammates other like Daniela is another resource that helped me in the pool Yale helped me so many times in um, tremendous ways and like I had teammates that drove me out to the races to do them because I don't have a car right now and so like literally these are the these are why communities are so important right because it's like they're able to help each other like fulfill these dreams like when we want to do stuff we're able to put our heads together and help our teammates do it and that's like the beauty of of district triathlon um it's been amazing yeah no it's definitely a really great group if you haven't heard uh learned about them or checked them out look them up on instagram at district underscore triathlons again another really great group and resource here in dc um, so you again, we always come back to this community piece. So outside of sport, though, what are some communities that you're supportive of, and some things? Uh, again, you're a coach, you're a leader in, in the community, uh, and you're also an activist. So what are some community and, and, and folks that you're supportive of outside of sports? Um, well, I'm always going to be super huge support of Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just this Black women. I'm here for queer Black women, trans Black women. I mean, women, femme-identifying folks, like right. Black folks in general. Like, I'm just, I'm out here for that. <laughs> um, I, like, my time has gotten 
really busy in a lot of ways. So some of the groups I used to be super active with, I kind of had to pull back from. But mm-hmm. Girls on the Run was one of my favorite communities to be a part of. Um, because I had the opportunity to work with young girls, and most of them were black girls, introducing them to distance running and teaching them about understanding their emotions and their feelings and like all the things I wish I would have had when I was growing up. Um, And then um, Planned Parenthood is another, uh, Planned Parenthood Metropolitan Washington Mm -hmm. um, was another Area, uh, organization that I anytime I can I hop in and do some volunteer work with them as yeah. well. I love it, and that's where we got the shirts from. So yeah. shout out to Planned Parenthood. Um, <clears throat> work. Yeah. So I know uh, I was actually talking to uh, Daniela before this, mm-hmm. and um, while we did the Juneteenth bike ride, yeah. Uh, for the folks that don't know, we did a Juneteenth bike ride a few weeks ago. Listen to episode two one. Episode one to hear more about that with Mashonda. But as we got to the Capitol, um, we had that moment of silence. And as, as we got up from the moment of silence, I know I said a few words and I failed to mention, uh, some other folks that were affected by, um, everything that's just going on. Uh, so, uh, putting myself on the spot, definitely apologizing for that, but also I just want to hear a little bit about why you, why, why you felt, um, the way you felt when I felt to acknowledge uh, the Brianna Tellers and other people that are getting affected by yeah. all that's happening. Yeah, I'm glad you put yourself on blast. Because yeah, in my mind, I was like, so he's just going to leave Brianna Taylor out? <laughs> he's just going to leave Tony DePentate out? Like, there's so many people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, I ain't doing a thing. I'm not going to say nothing just yet. But uh, got to make sure <laughs> we make this intersectional. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it. That stuff, it, it, it does bother me a bit when, when people get left out of these conversations because, I mean, there's a lot of trauma happening to black folks right. in general, regardless of whether you're trans, you're cis, like, and I mean, honestly, more is happening to our trans brothers and sisters, like, mm-hmm. and trans siblings, I should say, because some people are gen- um, gender non-conforming, but, um, and they get left out of the conversation all the time. I actually ended up getting into it with a close relative of mine because they felt like, listen, we talking about black men right now. And so we just need to fall in line. Like, that's what we need to do. And I'm like, no, like folks don't get to put their identities aside. Like I'm a black woman. And when I step out onto the street, I not only get that aggression for being black, but I also get another bit of aggression because I'm a woman. And literally, while all that was happening, I was dealing with people following me, people, like, getting, like, really, like, I was worried that I was going to be attacked during all of this while we are literally talking about police brutality and the the trauma that Black folks are feeling at the hands of state policing. But it's like, there are also Black, like, Black folks that are dealing with the trauma that they get from within our own community. Um, and constantly those stories, those experiences get left out and part of like what I've been doing and I always try to do is like bring that back to the the forefront so we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, definitely wanted to say I appreciate you for sharing that and, you know, putting me on the spot. You actually didn't say anything, but then it was like, Hey, this happened, you want to make sure you acknowledge it. So I uh, wanted to make sure I did that in this space. Um, but as we think about that, what does that look like again for the running community? Have you seen um, folks not being represented or if they come in spaces, they are not being welcome um, as they should be? More time for me. So in your own spaces, how do you make sure those folks are being welcome oh, as they come to your um, space? I mean, I think one of the first things that I try to do is talk with folks. Like, yeah. like I mentioned, I had experiences where I showed up places and no one was talking to me. Yeah. Um, many of times I've had it where it's like you look around and you see everyone like smiling and hugging and whatever. And it's like, okay, I've been coming here for a few weeks now. Why is no one acknowledging me? Why do you know, like, am I like, does anyone even notice if I don't come here anymore? Right. Um, and so I try to make it a point to talk to as many 
spaces that I can um, and try to build a relationship with people because like, and like like real relationships. Um, I remember um, a few years ago, there was um, on Instagram, there was a post by a gentleman um, who founded a random crew mm-hmm. um, named Charlie. And he had put up a post about a person within his community that had taken their life. Mm. And in the post, he talked about how everyone knew this person as being so carefree and like just happy and so much joy radiated out of them. Um, and they had no clue that he was suffering. Right. And that experience, actually, I still feel myself like getting emotional about it. I remember reading it and I, I cried because during that time, I felt like I'm in this community of people who they see me, they say hi, but they don't realize I'm hurting yeah. right now. Like I don't feel, I, I'm questioning if I should even be here anymore. And so it was that experience. And honestly, that's kind of what led into some of the other events that I do now. Um, but that made me make it a point to say something to people because we never know what people are going through. And so we want to try to, like, I want to at least try to talk with folks as much as I can right. and just let them know, like, okay, you have someone here who cares about you. I love that. So you mentioned some of the uh, other events that you do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I do is through Run for All Women is called Running Conversations. Okay. Um, and so that involves like we go on a, a short run, but then we get together um, afterwards. I partner with a, a licensed therapist mm-hmm. and we talk about different topics within um, mental health. Right. Um, like our last one that we did was on um, navigating grief. Okay. Um, and many people think of grief as you you, you lose a loved one. Right. But like folks don't realize like grief is just losing anything. It's loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was very important for now during COVID when, like I said, you got people losing races. You got people losing their normalcy. Um, and so that's one of the things I do. Um, another thing I do is called the Color Girl Picnic Series. Okay. Um, and that's where I bring together black women um, and women of color to have just real conversations. Um, that sometimes has the structure of topics. Yeah. Sometimes it's just free flowing. Um, but it's just so that we can have an opportunity to get beyond the surface. Because sometimes we are experiencing different emotions and feelings and we don't realize. Like we think a lot of times we're the only ones feeling right. the kind of way. And it's not until we have certain conversations that we realize like, Oh wait, you thought I went too girl? Oh my gosh, okay, you too? Like, and before you know it, it's like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is normal. Like, all right. And like, we're able to also talk through things and build each other up, which I think is so impactful and powerful. Um, yeah, it's been great so far. So I'm looking forward to that growing. I love it. I love it. And I'm looking for this quote um, because you mentioned a guy from Remnant Crew. And it made me think about the quote that I actually posted a few days ago. I should have written this down. <laughs> Starting next week, I'm getting notes. I'm getting hand notes because looking through this phone thing, it's not working. <laughs> um, but essentially, uh, you may remember it. It was the fact that if we, if folks are not allowing us in this space, we'll create our own spaces. So definitely as we are getting the, uh, the, the, the warning for a time, I definitely wanted to make sure we talk about that. What did you mean by that? Um, spark? Yeah. You remember the, 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 I can keep I, looking. I, it, I was just talking. So the fact that it's a it, quote is actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clarify, Daniela, here in the background, it is about the importance of building our own space and how important it has been for you to see people that you have ran with, have trained with, at times have coached, also build their own spaces, mm-hmm. considering the circumstances, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, it's been amazing to me because like I think in the past we've always thought that there had to be somebody to give you permission Um, and I think one of the beautiful things that Track Tuesdays has shown me is whether you get that permission or not if you're doing the shit you're already doing 
I don't know if we can cuss or not, but if you're doing the things that you're doing, (laughs) you don't need somebody to tell you, you can keep doing it. Like, if if this is what you want to do, make it happen. And because you have a community of people that support you, it can can flourish. It can be something. And even if one person shows up, you can grow it into something beautiful. And recently, you know, I've been having a lot of friends that have been jumpstarting stuff. I've had, you know, you, you know, we talked about the Juneteenth ride. There's also the Juneteenth marathon the week before. Yeah. And, and it was just like, wow, like, okay, this is awesome. And like, I want to continue to feed life into each other so that we can continue to grow. Cause this is how you grow community. Right. right. Um, but the thing about that too, was just like, if you're not like, if we're going to go to these spaces that don't accept us, I mean, yes, we could try to work to get them to accept us if you want it, but it's like at the same time, you know, that's emotional labor, right? right? And so even then it may or may not be effective. It's your choice to follow through with it. But at the end of the day, like if you're, if these spaces are not going to welcome us, make us feel included, have it, and it it had to be genuine, not because it's the thing to do but because it feels right for them to do it, then we can create our own. And I love that folks are doing it. They don't need permission from anybody. You want to make it happen, make it happen. And honestly, that Juneteenth ride, Juneteenth marathon, Track Tuesdays, like all of this stuff is showing that when you have a really incredible idea and you do it from a genuine place, Mm -hmm. folks will come, folks will support it. And it's been beautiful because, like, I'm watching folks, even with District Tri, when they did their first try, um, try meet, you see so much care, so much love goes into these events. Mm-hmm. You see that, like, I mean, even in talk, I have the privilege of being able to talk to you all about your ideas and hear, I can hear it in your voices that y'all really, like, this isn't just, oh, I want to, like, like elevate my own brand but it's like I mean this I want to give folks this opportunity to be a part of this I I want to do whatever it is and and so I've I've been really loving it and I'm looking forward to seeing like all the other great things that come from it Um, so like kudos to you because like you've been doing incredible things and thank you yeah, very proud. I'm very proud of you. I appreciate real, it. Real, real. Like I love it. <laughs> well, again, wanted to leave some uh, some time for folks to ask questions uh, before we wrap up. So if there are any questions, uh, feel free to drop them in the chat. Um, but before we do that, I do always want to make sure I ask this one question. So if you had to marry one, kill one, kiss one, what, what would you do? Swim, bike, and run. This is hard because I like to look at the triathlon like a polyamorous relationship. And so I would say my main like partner in this relationship is the running. Um, We we have our ups and downs, but you know, there's a (laughs) lot of love and dedication there. Then I would say that my other part of this relationship, what I really call it my quad um, in the poly world, but my other part (laughs) partner in this is cycling, like especially through COVID. Like I've been spending a lot of time with COVID and I heard of a future idea that you have and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to train for it because I really want to do it. I think it's amazing. Again, people doing dope things. Um, And then there's swimming, which... I'm still afraid of swimming, but I see that there's something that can grow here. So we're yeah. nurturing a relationship there. So I don't know if I want to kill swimming. All right. But swimming, we have, we're still working through things. Right. <laughs> I, feel I feel that. Well, again, uh, since there are no questions in the chat, um, we can go ahead and wrap up. But again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to follow along Keisha and what she has going on, you can follow her at uh, Keisha dot, so Keisha's K-E-S-H-I-A, Keshia, is how you can say it out loud to spell it right. Dot I'm not, I'm saying it wrong. No, it's Keisha. Right. <laughs> Keisha dot row is my personal. That's where I release all of the goodies and things that I'm either working on or supporting other people with. Um, there's Track Tuesdays underscore Track Tuesdays is one. Um, right now we're on hiatus um, for the public. Yeah. We have an internal group that's still working out right now, but for the public, we're kind of taking a break until it's good to be back together again. Um, and then there's uh, Run for All Women, 
that you can check out. A lot of amazing things happening there. We've got some stuff that will be rolling out soon that we're really excited to share. Um, and then there's also the Global, Global Women Run Collective. And women is spelled with an X in replace of the E. Um, we're always that? sharing. I'm sorry. Oh, why, yeah. Why, why is there an X? Yeah. Uh, that is to kind of just show that we want to be inclusive of all women. Okay. Um, or those who identify as women or friends. Um, and so we share a lot of events and things happening all over the world on that page. Um, so there's also some amazing things coming out of that group as well. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Again, thank you everybody for tuning in, whether you're watching live, watching on YouTube, our YouTube channel later, or you're listening on the podcast. Um, you can follow me at Ship Happens215 or follow the podcast on Instagram at Perfect Timing Multisport. Um, again, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. That's where we get a lot of really, give a lot of really fun information. We have some really, really exciting things coming out um, in the future. Uh, also, have to shout out our partners, uh, Athletic Brewing Company. Uh, have our beers here. Keisha got to crack that joint open. <laughs> oh, yeah, <sorry. laughs> All good. Uh, Athletic Brewing Company. Um, so they have the non-alcoholic beers. Um, also, Urban Athletic Club. And if you're in D.C., it's a really great resource. So we have our free bi-weekly workouts. And then last, uh, Philly Bike Expo. Being from Philly, I want to make sure I always have some connection up, up home. Mm -hmm. So we have the Bike Expo in November. So make sure you uh, check out those things. Again, if you are tuned into the newsletter, you're subscribed, you can just see the, uh, you can see the, the logos, click on the link. And if you want your logo on our newsletter, hit me up. We can, we can work something out, but make sure you build that relationship because we're not out here just sharing information with people that we don't believe in. So, um, take your time when you do that. <laughs> All the time you need. There you, go. there you go. And lastly, again, shout out to Planned Parenthood, yes. uh, these shirts, especially, yes. um, staying with black women. Uh, gotta get these shirts changed to the X, right? To make sure we remain inclusive. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for what's to come next. We have some really amazing people coming up next, so make sure you stay tuned and look forward to hearing more. All right. <laughs> Thank you for See having me. See you guys. Thank you, Keisha. <laughs>